And we're back for another Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always. Um, before we get started today, programming note. I think I mentioned this on the last one as well. Um, obviously, this week is Thanksgiving week. Uh, I want to wish everyone a uh, happy early Thanksgiving right off the top. Uh, but also, that will be mean there is no show on Thursday. Uh, however, there will still be a show, a mailbag show, on Sunday. Uh, all you have some questions uh, lined up that have been sent in. Some big good ones at that, I will add. Uh, but you can send in your questions to the mailbag through email, lacrossebucket at gmail.com, on Twitter, at lacrossebucket, or you can send it to my personal, at Tanner underscore Demling. So those are the three locations. And also, you can DM us on uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. It's just uh, Lacrosse Bucket on both of those mediums. But those are the outlets you can send in your questions to. And since we aren't having a show on Thursday, um, I wanted to kind of make this one, and it is Thanksgiving week, and, you know, December is kind of when we start talking preseason stuff. Um, and Sky, from what I hear, we could be seeing some schedules coming out uh, sooner rather than later. Again, from what I'm hearing from some programs, some conferences, schedules will be released here shortly. Um, I don't know how soon, but from what I've heard, they're coming. And they are on the way. And some of them, a little interesting. A little interesting at that. So, off the top, and this is this is actually a question that was asked um, as part of the mailbag episode um, a few weeks ago, and uh, I thought you know I wanted to go more in depth uh, with it, so I thought I'd bring it over to the uh, the full the full podcast that I do, uh, the non mailbag version. So, seems more people listen to Thursday and Tuesday than Sunday. Um, don't know why, but um, thought it would thought I would you know, kind of drag this over. So on the mailbag pod on Sunday, I talked about how the 2022 recruiting class we could see more flips and decommitments in the fall and the summer, possibly the spring as well, due to the fact that the NCAA has operated basically this entire year in a recruiting dead period, which means no in-person communication, no official visits, none of that. The dead period is in effect through April 15th. So the dead period dies on April 15th. It's been extended like three times. And I mentioned how in football, they thought this fall was going to be just a slew of decommitments coming in and flips. That wasn't the case because the dead period was extended. 
Now we have seen some decommitments and flips in football, and, and you always see those in, in any sport. And we will see those in lacrosse as well, with or without in-person recruiting, with or without official visits. Something else that this year, this cycle, might be a little different is the coaching carousel. The coaching carousel last year, I didn't think was going to happen. I thought, okay, we'll have a couple moves made that were already predetermined. Johns Hopkins was pretty much a predetermined situation. Many thought, okay, maybe that won't happen now because of COVID. It did. We also saw movements at VMI and Moser. And then there were multiple... Oh, um, Cornell also was affected by that Hopkins move. Um, and we know what, what they did, just Connor Busick as the interim. And from what I've heard, that interim tag is because they didn't want to do a coaching search during a pandemic. Which, I can understand that. So, in 2021... What will this coaching search look like? And the question asked was, you know, will it be slower or will it be faster? I would probably argue it'll be slower. And here's why. We're talking about a season. So, it you know, the schedule, it, it doesn't matter whether there will be a vaccine and all these protocols in place when the season ends. Fact of the matter is, though a vaccine probably won't exist to the general populace 100% when the season starts, and we will probably still have some of these protocols in place when the season starts. Also, got to mention, you have some schools that have not had fall ball. Georgetown has not had fall ball. Johns Hopkins has not had fall ball. Harvard has not had, well, they've had fall ball, but only with their freshmen. Multiple other schools, I think most of the Ivies have not had their full team on campus. It's just been select groups. Obviously, the Ivy canceled fall and winter sports. So you don't have a fall. Your spring season gets cut, right, in back in the spring of 2020. This is a weird year. This is a weird time. I think you're going to see some teams that you thought were going to be really good really struggle. And you're going to see some teams that you thought were going to be pretty bad have good seasons. It might not be to the extent that we are seeing in college football right now. I mean, Indiana is a top 15 program in football this year. Northwestern is a top 10 program in football this year. No one saw that coming. Penn State is 0-5. Michigan barely beat Rutgers in football. I don't think we're going to see that kind of parity that kind of um, 
downfall or disparity in a sense because you know well lacrosse is different obviously and i think just the nature of the game won't allow for that but we could see some teams do that now i think most things will be as we expected like i think in may the teams that we expected to be there will probably be there. And I think you and I both can pull five names out of a hat and say, okay, this team will be there, this team won't be there. It's pretty cut and dry in this game of who's elite and who's not. There's going to be parity in February and early March. But, but when you get into May, I mean, it's always the same teams, ain't it? So, and this is actually pertaining to something I will talk about later on in the show, um, which I think will be a really good conversation. But for the coaching cycle discussion here, because of that, because of these differences in the season, and because of the financial impacts that COVID has had, I think if we do see coaching a coaching cycle, it will be a coach leaving for a quote-unquote greener pasture. And when I say greener pasture, I'm speaking about um, monetary investment, monetary gain, money. Speaking of that, not necessarily going to a better program. I don't think we're going to see that. I actually think we're going to see some of these coaches that maybe would have moved up the moved up a rung on the ladder or whatever. Some of these coordinators that maybe could potentially get a low level job, does it become open? I think we'll see a holding pattern on that kind of stuff. For maybe a year or two. I think 2022 will be back to normal. But I think this coaching cycle, just by the nature of what the season could be, especially in the beginning, you're going to have coaches that have a lot of leeway. And again, this is lacrosse. It's not football. It's not basketball. If you don't win 10 games, you're not getting fired. So, by the nature of what the game is, by the nature of where lacrosse stands on the athletic ladder at many of these schools, I don't think you're going to see that many firings. You're not going to see that many coaches leaving unless, as I said, monetary gain is involved. Other than that, it will probably be a pretty slow coaching cycle in 2021. Probably slower than we saw last year. And last year, for a season that didn't really even happen, I mean, you have some teams that played seven games, some that played five. For a season that barely got off the ground, there was actually a lot of movement. Like, when you think about it, there was quite a bit of movement for a season that barely got off the ground. 
So no, we're not going to see a quote-unquote what I would call a coaching cycle. I think at the assistant coaching level, that will be more active than the head coaching level. But as far as head coaches are concerned, coaching cycle, it will exist. It will exist, but not to the level that we've seen in recent years. It will exist minimally and will probably be a two-month window. Because I'm, I'm only expecting right now maybe two to three jobs coming open. And I don't think we're going to see, like last year, Johns Hopkins comes up. No, that's not going to happen. A big-name program is not going to come open. And look, a lot of these big-name programs, these guys are cemented in stone. I mean, they are you know, feet set. They're there. They're locked in. I don't think we'll see. For instance, UNC, Denver, Ohio State, those jobs aren't coming open in five, six, seven years. Who knows? Bill Tooney could retire tomorrow, for all I know. But as far as when these jobs come open, those big-time jobs, they're not coming open anytime soon. And these mid-level jobs, I really don't think that there's going to be a filing after all this monetary, the monetary situation that the coronavirus has put on many athletic institutions. Now, look, look over in Columbia, South Carolina, they chunked up, what, $13 million to fire Will Muschamp last week or two weeks ago during a global pandemic. You got someone that can chunk up, won't be $13 million, I can tell you that, but you can find someone to chunk up, what, 100 million, uh, 100,000, 50,000, fire a coach at a low-level program? Do you. But, uh, no, cannot see any sort of major coaching cycle going on this summer. Besides the assistant uh, coaching cycle, which I think will actually be maybe decently active. Now, I said we'd get back to elite programs in a minute. And we are there. This is an article that will be coming out on lacrossebucket.com on Thursday, Thanksgiving. Again, an early happy Thanksgiving to y'all. What this article entails is something that I've had discussions with people about this over the past couple of years, off and on. And I've gotten a lot of questions about this recently, since relaunching the podcast and all of that. What are the top 15 jobs in college lacrosse? Top 15, think about it. I think we know, I think you could guess at least 10 names on this list. It's pretty easy. The elite stay elite. You know, you always hear the, the term, the rich get richer. So what I did for this is I asked myself the question. If I were a Hall of Fame caliber coach and I had my pick of the litter, I could go anywhere I wanted to be a coach, run my program, 
where would I go? And I made that list, 1 through 15. And then I'll mention right here the teams that didn't make the cut. Georgetown, Princeton, UMass, Navy, Penn. Barely missed the cut. Barely missed the cut. I think all, all, all five of those schools have uh, good traditions. They have um, good potential. Their ceilings are particularly high. But they just didn't make that cut. In fact, I, I originally had Princeton in this, and I think that's the one that a lot of people will be mad about, is I did have Princeton in this, but I took them out. And Georgetown, I went back and forth on. Navy, I originally was was thinking about putting them in this. And if, if this was a top 25, yeah, they would be in there. No question. But it's top 15. And for me, at least, they didn't meet my criteria. To a T, as these other programs did. And really what I was looking at is like, okay, which programs, if I'm an elite head coach, Hall of Fame caliber head coach, do I go to and I can win a title in three to five years? That's essentially what I looked at. Um, here's my top ten. Here's my top ten here, and I'll go over each of these schools a bit. Number one, Duke. Duke, they've risen so high. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, they've risen to the likes of which we have not seen since, dare I say it, Princeton. 90s, Syracuse, 80s, Hopkins, 80s. You, I mean, they've risen to that level. I mean, they are the elite of the elite. They have three national titles in the past decade. They've been to nine championship weekend appearances, including eight straight. They recruit off the charts, off the charts, and I don't blame them. I mean, you walk on campus at Duke and you're committed. I mean, the what they have to sell you is unbelievable. Mike Pressler built this program. John Danowski took that and just elevated it, just took it out of the stratosphere. Duke, obviously... And the fan support, and I will say, the fan support and all of that might not be there as much in the regular season as it is at some other programs. But the support from the administration side, I think, is there. And that's proven in what they've done. Obviously, you can win, and you can win big at Duke. If this was in the 1980s, the 1970s, and I told you, in 2020, Duke would be the number one job in America. I, I, you know, you'd put me in a mental institution. I mean, that sounds, that sounded ridiculous back then, but that's how high they've risen. Because Duke was nothing. Maryland, a team that has never been nothing. Um, great tradition. Great, rec- I mean, you're in Maryland. Great recruiting base. It's a tier one job. And it's always going to be a tier one job. 
and I actually flip-flopped Duke and Maryland multiple times in making this list one and two. I think you could argue 1A, 1B type situation or tied for first because Maryland has also risen to the likes of those elite programs, those elite dynasties that I mentioned. I mean, you're talking about seven championship weekend appearances in nine years under John Tillman. And yeah, Dave Cottle, I think, got them back to where that got them back to that foundation. He built what he built that structure, that infrastructure, which I think was already there, but I think he activated it more than it had been activated in quite a while. John Tillman comes in, and if you look at John Tillman at Harvard, he wasn't particularly like I mean, they were good, but like they weren't they weren't Yale. Like like they weren't going to NCAA tournaments per se. Like they weren't winning Ivy League titles per se. So he comes to Maryland, elevates him. He ends that uh drought, that title drought in twenty seventeen. Maryland, again, I mentioned that tradition and just everything that comes with that, that just encapsulates that. The support that they have is phenomenal. Like, And again, Maryland and Duke, I think, are the top two by far on this list. I don't think it's there's any question about it. Syracuse. Syracuse has not had the success... They've not lived up to the Syracuse standard in recent years. But I think they're on their way back. I don't know that we will ever see a dynasty like they had and Princeton had. And I don't think we'll ever see that again from Syracuse because there are more teams now. But they're definitely a a place. I mean, you walk in the Carrier Dome. I've never been to the Carrier Dome. It's a bucket list item, but... You walk in the Halo Dome, and you know f- from what you hear and from what you can see on TV, it's like that mystique, right? It, it, it's just there's something to it, something to it. They're a boy blood, always will be a boy blood. Tradition, unlike any other. Um, I mean, they've only had four. People don't talk about this. They've only had four coaches. And the program's entire 100-plus year history. Think about how consistent you have to be to only have four head coaches in over a 100-year period. I think it's like 103 years now. That's, that, that's, that's crazy. Might be 105, but that's, that's ridiculous. Um, so they look to be moving back up. And again, this list I'm talking about, if I could go somewhere right now, Right now. Could I win a title in three to five years? Syracuse, absolutely. The tradition, the recruiting. I mean, you you can win upstate New York. You can win upstate New York. You can go pretty and you have that. I mean, you wear that S on your chest. That S, just like that M at Maryland. That S, that, that what is it, block S or whatever? That means something. That means something. You walk into a Walk into a high school with that block S on your chest, that means something. Number four, Virginia. Hold your horses. Hold on to the edge of your seat. 
this is a job that I debated putting this top five. I did. And I know there's going to be a lot of talk about, a lot of message, a lot of feedback about this. Putting Virginia as a top five job. Or as a top four and not at that five or six spot. I think they're a top five job. I debated them. So number five is Hopkins. I debated them in Hopkins. But Virginia, when you look at the success that they've had, they 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 dropped off for a little bit. But they bounced back really quickly. Lars Tiffany, great coach. Dom Stalger, great coach. Only one coach, I think it was uh, Jim Adams, is the only coach in the NCAA era who's failed to win a title in Charlottesville. Prime recruiting location. You got access to the DMV, and Central Virginia is the best pocket not talked about in recruiting in the country. And then you can go farther up the Mid-Atlantic as well, farther south as well. I mean, the, the recruiting territory is phenomenal. Clockner Stadium, one of the best places in the country to watch a lacrosse game. I mean, you see that pop on TV, whoa, Clockner Stadium. Like, I, I, I want to go there. Like, it's it, beautiful. The pristine, the pristine glass. The, the I mean, it's just a, a surreal sight. And then I'm, this, is, this is one of the reasons why I put Virginia so high. Yes, there's a tradition and an expectation to win. But at Virginia, basketball, baseball, and football are bigger than lacrosse. Right now. And I think you could argue that at Maryland as well, to an extent. I think Maryland cares more about lacrosse than Virginia does. But I think it's easy to say that obviously football and basketball take precedent in any athletic department over lacrosse, for the most part. Virginia is not immune to that. But I think at Virginia, there's not as much pressure to win now as there is at some other places. There is an expectation to win, but the expectation might not be as great. You get get to the NCAA quarterfinals, good year. You get to, you you get to the first round, good year. You win an ACC title, good year. You get to the ACC title game, miss out on the NCAA tournament for whatever reason, good you. I don't think you get that other places. And you don't get that at number five here, Johns Hopkins. And by the way, I'm not saying Virginia doesn't want to win. Virginia can't, Virginia won a national title. They're the defending champions. But I'm just saying the pressure might not be as great as it is at other places, which as a coach could give you a little more wiggle room if you need to rebuild. Hopkins. Answer this question for me. Can you name another school other than Johns Hopkins that was literally built around lacrosse? You can't, can you? That's right, because you can't. You literally cannot. Um, best location in college lacrosse, hands down. You're in Baltimore, 
Uh, Homewood Field is legendary. One of the best venues. One of the best venues. Bucket list item for every lacrosse fan. I mean, it is the mecca of college lacrosse for many. Like, and, and I've mentioned this before, lacrosse at Johns Hopkins is their football. You're going to go there and you're going to know this administration, they care about lacrosse. Now, we can debate all we want how much this exact administration at Hopkins cares about lacrosse as it pertains to what past administrations did. But one thing's for sure, the alumni, the fans, the, the, the school, the atmosphere, the school in general, cares about lacrosse. Lacrosse is number one at Johns Hopkins, and there's not many other places you can find that at. You have all the tools necessary. If you push the right, but- the right buttons, you have all the tools necessary to win a national title in your first three to five years. Recruiting might be more difficult at Hopkins than it was back in the day. But, and especially now being in the Big Ten, having to go head-to-head with programs, bigger athletic budget programs like Ohio State and Michigan. But, in a sense, Johns Hopkins, no doubt, still a top-five job. Number six is Cornell. And as I mentioned, I almost put uh, I almost put Virginia here and Cornell at five. So, um, and I've mentioned this before in past podcasts. No, there's no other Ivy League school that cares about lacrosse as much as Cornell does. You won't find one. Lacrosse at Cornell matters. And while they do have some restrictions in some areas that other programs, even in their own conference, don't, like I think they can't take transfers and, and things like that, um, or only take minimal transfers or whatever. Um, the support from not only administration, but the alumni is top-notch. Like, I don't I don't know an alumni base that is as supportive of lacrosse, as supportive of their program as Cornell. I don't know another, you use the terms brotherhood. I don't know another, if you will, and I'm doing air quotes here, which you can't see me, brotherhood like Cornell lacrosse. Like, in the things I've heard and, and all of that, it just, Amazing. Like, I, you have that kind of dedication, that kind of support, not only from your administration. And again, we can debate whether this administration cares as much as past ones, but there's no question. And as well as your alumni base and all of that, no question, lacrosse matters at Cornell. And look, I wrote an article back in July that FBS schools will soon dominate college across for the next decade plus. Cornell and Hopkins, I think, are the two schools that will survive and thrive because of that history. Um, I mean, the success of Cornell and Hopkins speak for themselves. Maybe they won't be, and I'm talking for both schools now, maybe neither of them will get back to that elite dynasty level. But I think they can both contend for titles year in and year out. Like, it, it's just, it's different at Homewood. It's different in Ithaca. It just is. Number seven is North Carolina. 
From a national title winning perspective, many would argue, including myself, that UNC has vastly underachieved for a good chunk of their history. They have five national titles. Most recent was in the past decade. And since 2009, when Joe Brashi took over, the, they've done nothing but kind of sustain that level of success we've come to expect. 2016 was really good, and they haven't done too, too much since then. I think they could be in for a special year here in 2021. And I think Joe Brashi, when you look at the way they're recruiting and everything like that, they're going up. I'm liking the situation in the state of North Carolina to Alabama and Auburn. Alabama is the dynasty, okay? They're Duke. Duke lacrosse is Alabama. Auburn, so North Carolina lacrosse is Auburn. That's what I liken that to. Elite programs, to be sure. Rich traditions, to be sure, at both programs. But one is significantly ahead of the other. They beat up on each other, but one is still significantly ahead of the other. The other one is creeping behind and can eventually catch the other one and has caught the other one in recent history. But one program is still above the other. That's the situation in North Carolina. And even though UNC's behind Duke, even though they're behind Duke, Joe Brushy, I mean, you can't say enough about the job that he's done there. The job that that staff has done there. They've made some, they got new, uh, new renovations of that stadium. Recruiting success has been phenomenal. Number one, 2021 class. They're doing really well in 2022. Could a dynasty in Chapel Hill be on the horizon? I don't know. Probably not. But a national title could. They're still title contenders. And I think this kind of skid of going 8-8, eight and 7-7, eight, seven and seven, I think that's over. I think the recruiting success is a big part of that. It will end up being a big part of that. Number 8 is Notre Dame. And simple as this, Notre Dame is a name brand. It's a name brand. You can go to California, you can go to Texas, you can go to Maine. They know what Notre Dame is. The Irish have done nothing but rise lacrosse-wise since Kevin Corgan arrived in 1989. People don't realize he's been there that long. The facilities, Arlotta is a beautiful facility. Um, the recruiting base I mentioned, they're a name brand. They can go pick whoever they want, essentially. Um, the only thing they have not done is a national title. And I think this five, six years ago, maybe ten years ago, this job would not have been on this list. But they've done enough for me and shown enough for me to say, look, I could go there and win a title if I'm a Hall of Fame elite caliber coach. Penn State is, the the only thing with Notre Dame is they haven't won a title, so you would have to build that. Um, 
Notre Dame, uh, excuse me, number nine, Penn State. And these next two are in a similar situation here. Nine is Penn State, Yale is 10. A decade ago, neither of these programs would be on this list. Neither of them would. Um, Yale has obviously won a title. Penn State has not. The reason I like Penn State ahead of Yale is because I think the ceiling for Penn State is much higher than the ceiling at Yale. I, Yale does have that IV restrictions on it that Penn State does not. Uh, recruiting at both places has been phenomenal. Uh, they've both seen stadium renovations uh, recently that are phenomenal. Great places to watch a lacrosse game. I have not been to either Yale or Penn State, but again, on the bucket list, high-level success lacrosse has been there recently at Penn State and Yale, and I think it can be sustained there, certainly. Um, I think Yale might be on a, not a downslide, but I think Yale may be coming back down to earth a bit. Um, I think Penn State may still have a couple rungs to go up the ladder. I think they can win a national title. I really do. So that's my top 10. Um, 11 through 15 are this. Loyola, Denver, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan. All of these, so Loyola and Denver have won a title. Ohio State has been to a national title. Rutgers has that 16-year NCAA tournament drought. And Michigan has done nothing yet. But all of these programs, especially in Ohio State, Rutgers and Michigan, facility improvements, recruiting improvements, success is on the way, and success can be built. Denver and Loyola, Loyola, essentially what I talked about with Hopkins, lacrosse is their football. Similar with Denver, Denver, neither of these schools have football. Lacrosse is their football. Lacrosse is their basketball, too, in a sense. They're both top 15 jobs. National titles can be one of both. So that's why they are 11 and 12. Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan round out this top 15 because, frankly, Michigan's done nothing, as I mentioned. Rutgers hasn't done much of anything in the past 16 years. They've been good. And Ohio State has been to a title game at least, so they have to be ahead of those two. And all three of them have improvements either already in place or on the way in terms of facilities that have elevated their recruiting and I think will eventually lead them to national title contention perennially in the next three to five years. So that is why those <laughs> round out my top 15. And I know there's going to be a lot of questions about that Michigan one. I'm a believer in Michigan. I know a lot of y'all aren't. I am. I'm a believer in, in Rutgers. I'm a slight believer in Ohio State, and they've shown me that they can at least get over the hump. think they can do it again, though. That was a uh, long-winded uh, segment to end what was a pretty long-winded show. Again, our last until after the Thanksgiving holiday. So, um, again, 
Happy Thanksgiving, early Thanksgiving to all y'all out there. Uh, hopefully, you're able to uh, get to spend it with your families. I know a lot of uh, people are holding off on that this year due to the uh, coronavirus pandemic and all of that. But have a happy Thanksgiving. Again, we will have a Sunday mailbag pod. So get your questions in there. Email, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, DMs. Um, I sort through all of them uh, and pull questions out of each of those mediums. Uh, again, thank all y'all for all of y'all who send those in throughout the week. Uh, get quite a bit. They've ramped up in recent weeks, um, I will say. So, again, thank you all for listening. Send in your questions there. Have a happy Thanksgiving. As always, check out lacrossebucket.com for your latest lacrosse news and updates. See y'all on Sunday.